0: Hello and welcome. I'm Michelle.
1: And I'm Jessica, and this is Pretty Over Perfect. We are two former neighbors and current best friends who know that perfection is an illusion that could easily keep us from living our best lives. We are here to discover the goodness in
0: the messiness of real life and find joy in the everyday by embracing simplicity, creativity, and a little sparkle. Hello, Jessica. I'm Michelle, and hello. Welcome to all of our listeners to another episode of Pretty Over Perfect. What you guys might not know, listeners, is sometimes when we push and on our recording, we go on and on and on talking. Actually, I think that's just about every time. But yeah. uh, last week when we stopped recording, we continued the conversation that we were having on air and thought it would be beneficial to kind of continue it here this week.
1: That's right. Yeah, we I guess we kind of laid a lot at your feet last week saying like our brains are just constantly inclined to pleasure and then that easily gets preyed upon by things like constant marketing, social media, all of these things. And now that we are aware of this, well, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do to have actually good lives in the face of these constant distractions that encourage us to seek pleasure, but not get true enjoyment out of life, which is kind of funny because like in some ways I'm like, well, our entire podcast is really about that. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of funny when I like hear our intro again and I'm like, oh, hey, we've been talking about this the whole time, but we still believe it. We still believe it. and We're going to dive into some like specific topics addressing this. So as a quick recap of last week, we know now that we know now why social media and prime delivery and doom scrolling through the news we can never seem to get enough of are ultimately unfulfilling. And though they constantly call us back, they never make us actually happy. So we're going to try and discuss in this episode, what does make us happy what does lead to a good life even like make us happy is such a it's a, such a hard thing to even say because i feel like happiness as a word has been very co-opted mm-hmm. and whenever we try to pursue happiness we end up more unhappy what if it's, we said satisfaction satisfaction i do think satisfaction is largely a part of it as we were talking last week well we all we talked about a few things, but I think that if if social media or constant online shopping are not your vices of choice,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think that we all have some, maybe maybe one, probably more of our drugs or vices of choice. They're a thing that we go to to seek immediate gratification that we know if we step back doesn't bring us satisfaction doesn't bring us true joy, but we find ourselves kind of constantly at the constantly entrapped with these things. I think some of us, our drugs of choice are more socially acceptable than others. Mm -hmm. But without moderation, any of these things can hinder us from truly living our best lives and from ending up satisfied with where we are.
0: I think another word for what you're saying that people might that might resonate with our listeners is a buffer. Mm, right. Just mm-hmm. like we talked last week. It's like when you're feeling any number of uh, discomfort, then you turn to a buffer. And mm-hmm. I would say, I don't, Michelle, do you know what your drug of choice is? Is it able to be said on air? Or do you <laughs> want to keep that in your pocket?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I would say that. Um, yeah, probably social media is probably my just like consuming scrolling. Yeah, yeah, just con Yeah, just scrolling through social media. Lots I don't, of new things popping up all the time, right? It's very, right. very engaging. I don't, I don't pay. I don't do news. I've gotten a lot better about impulse purchasing, but I think that yeah, more often than I would like, I find myself just wondering what's on Instagram or whatever. Yeah. yeah. What about you? I think that um, mine
0: is online shopping or receiving a little package on my doorstep. Mm -hmm. It feels pretty cool. It's like a little present, gift-giving to myself. Mm -hmm. And I, the promise of, like, my life will be dramatically improved upon the receiving of this item uh, gets me. And it's because I'm at home and, like, everything's kind of the same. So it makes sense to me why that is something that tempts me, but obviously has its whole slew of negative consequences. And yeah. And it's like it's funny because I do like to be on social media, but I feel like I've I've kind of done work there. And so it's it's jumped over to this consuming. And don't get me wrong. I'm not like always buying things, but I'm always thinking about buying things and like <laughs> noticing the things that would improve my life. So, yes, we all have something and we can identify them, I think, right off the bat. But so here on the front end of this conversation, I think that it's the whole point is for us to do a little bit of work. We're going to contemplate how we can cultivate uh, fulfillment and contentment and satisfaction, like the deep stuff that fills our hearts during difficult times and joyful times, because that is life. And we really do need to accept that, I think. Absolutely. So first of all, should we talk about how we know if we have a good life? (laughs) Like, what does that even mean? How could we define that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's start there. Jessica... How would you know you have a good life? Yeah. What makes you truly happy or satisfied? Let's use like, I don't know. I want to change the word happy because I think I, I like the idea of being happy. I think that wanting to be happy or satisfied with your life is not a bad thing, but I think I understand why it's it's difficult, a difficult word to use, because it seems like happiness should be like, you're always smiling, sunshine, and you're always Rainbows. making a memory. Yeah. And obviously, that's just not true. But at the same time, you know, I do think that like a lot of joy is possible mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. pretty much maybe not every moment of life, but in many, many moments of life. So I don't know. That one's, yeah, that's a tricky word. We'll try and we'll try and use some other words as well. But I think contentment and satisfaction are are good words to also use. I think that one of the things about like satisfaction is that's another one that can have a connotation like you could only be satisfied by maybe reaching some lofty goal. And I think that for some people that is absolutely intrinsic to their happiness and for others, their happiness, their contentment is going to come a lot more from relationships and less from, you know, a goal mm-hmm. in uh, in work or, you know, a general. physical goal or something like that. You know, I think that that's one of the things that makes all of us pursue a good life in maybe slightly different ways.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's very interesting, because that definitely feels good to me. Satisfaction is a word that I gravitate towards because to me it includes grit and hard struggle but also accomplishment and it just is exactly what you just said that's intrinsic to me so maybe yeah maybe you're right that's not really the right word for everybody but maybe one of these words resonates with each of our listeners and with us but it's beyond the roses the sunshine the always positive part yeah. that sometimes we feel like life should be
1: yeah and i think that truly happiness um you know is a It's a big goulash of all of these things, right? Like we all need a little bit, you know, somebody who's super goal driven may pursue more satisfaction, but they also need to balance that with contentment. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You are so right. That's good. Right. And people who are pursuing, you know, contentment also need to get off the couch and go do things, you know? So all of these Mm -hmm. things have to be in balance uh, with each other. Uh, One of the most difficult things in life that like i think we're all trying to find is is balance moderation trying to figure out how all of these pieces fit together right like if we pursue a goal at work that then degrades the relationship with our family that will probably not lead to you know an overall feeling of happiness about our lives but if we also stop going to work just to be with our families Mm -hmm. we might starve um you know so all of these things have to kind of work together and we are on a constant journey of reevaluating and trying to figure out and i know for me sometimes it's like it's a little bit of give and take that changes as this as the seasons of life change and as different um things come onto my plate and yep. that kind of thing so
0: okay i think you hit a really really important point there when you talked about balance Mm-hmm. It's almost what it's all about here and accepting that. And whenever we're kind of too heavy on the indulging and the consuming, then we are at a lack on the other end of being productive and um, whatnot. So that's yeah. huge. I'm glad you brought that up. Now it's a, just, yeah, a big part of having a quote unquote good life is to have a balanced one in every way. Yeah, obviously, we're never going to going to obtain the um, perfect balance. But it's kind of like this give and take, like you're saying, always or not maybe always, but uh, consistently evaluating and seeing where there might be a lack,
1: right? Like I was trying to think of, you know, what are some of the ways in my life, like in the last week, right, that I know that I've had a good life, or that I have a good life. And, you know, I don't want to be like reaching necessarily back to like 10 years ago, I went on this fun trip. That's all fine and good. But like, how do I know I have a good life now? And I was thinking of like, last week, we had our snow day. And that was super fun. We, you know, slept in and then we made snowman pancakes. And then we went and played in the snow. And then we came home and snuggled and watched movies. That's super fun, because it's unusual. Right. If we did that all the time, that wouldn't be a great memory. That would be boring and mundane. Right. Like and it wouldn't feel good to just play in the snow all the time. Right. That would eventually not satisfy my urge to have a greater purpose on Earth. Just having fun is not enough. Right. But also what made that super fun is that the rest of the time we do have all of these other commitments and we stay on top of them. So that when it's a snow day, like we can relax and enjoy. And I think that that's an example of how these things, they ebb and flow and they have to be in in harmony with each other in order to give us a truly good life. I
0: agree. I think another analogy that I've heard in the past is when you think of a, a musical composition, you have high notes and low notes, but generally speaking, the melody is kind of somewhere in the middle. And when we stay kind of in the middle, maybe in this case, like you have your routine every day it's somewhat the same, then you can have those high notes of those snow days and sleeping in and watching movies all day. And inevitably we'll also have low notes, but kind of focusing on the high notes here when we have like a, a good consistent middle ground melody, beautiful, you know, and it's right. And it's sound. Those high notes are become even more beautiful. The contrast is so great. So that motivates me personally in a lot of ways in my life, that analogy, I don't want to take my kids to ice cream every day, but sometimes it's so fun because we don't go every day. I don't want to. um,
1: Yeah, that can be applied
0: to a lot of things, but.
1: Which I say to my kids all the time. They're like, I wish I could do this every day. And I'm like, if we did it every day, it wouldn't be fun.
0: Yeah. The high notes would not even be high notes. They would just be a big blob of notes.
1: (laughs) They would all just be a big blur.
0: (laughs) Blur would be a better word than blob, I suppose.
1: All right. Yes. So, Jessica, what do you think? makes a good life yeah
0: yeah so i think for me um it's taken me this long perhaps or maybe somewhere in the last decade to understand that the good life doesn't come from external praise or an accumulation of stuff Mm -hmm. for me it comes from the contemplation that happens when i'm sitting on my beautiful bench (laughs) that i've referenced many a time on the podcast contemplating creating a vision, which leads to personal purpose and discipline and grace as I fail and try again and kind of try to stay the course. Um, It comes from relationships, of course, uh, the beautiful and the messy parts alike, you know, because the messy parts are what sometimes lead to growth, reconciliation and a greater bond. Mm -hmm. It comes from service, looking outside of myself, attaching myself to something greater than me. And it brings me great uh, fulfillment to lift people that are around me and strengthen others in the ways that I'm able. I think those are just the different pieces of the pie that make me feel like I can have a beautiful life. I love it. Okay, so this is very much related, but we kind of want to dive deeper into, Michelle, what makes us truly happy or
1: satisfied. Okay, well, you know me, I'm going to be quoting the literature on this one. Um, yes, this is why we love no. you. I found I found some scientists and I will tell you about what they had to say. So, I'm going to quote Dr. Anna Lemke. I referenced her in the last episode. You know, she studies like ad- she studies addiction and she studies dopamine and its role in our lives and we talked about how dopamine triggers pleasure, but we really need the things that come after dopamine in order to be happy. And she says that happiness comes by doing things that are hard on a regular basis, that have some meaning and purpose, are consistent with our values, and that are a moral good rather than a personal personal pleasure. Hmm. So her whole idea is that when we pursue pleasure, we ruin our brains and cause ourselves a lot of pain. But when we accept discomfort and pain, we end up feeling more fulfillment and satisfaction and ultimate happiness because we allow our brains to be more balanced. So she's all talking about like the brain chemistry behind the balance. Mm, Cool.
0: Can you say those things again really quick? I think that is beautiful. So profound. The first part, the things that we need. Can you say those again?
1: Happiness comes by doing things that are hard on a regular basis that have some meaning and purpose are consistent with our values and that are a moral good rather than a personal pleasure. There you go. There's the recipe. Yes. So she is a psychologist and a psychiatrist. Um, I believe she's a psychiatrist. Anyways, I don't know. But another way of looking at this is a sociologist, (laughs) Arthur C. Brooks. He has a podcast, which I will link in the show notes because I think it's very interesting. His whole discussion on, he actually has a, A podcast just about how to build a happy life which to me the key word there is build build you don't have a happy life you don't get a happy life you don't you don't stumble into one you build it you build it piece by piece brick by brick layer by layer and it takes a lot of that doing hard things to build a happy life And in the podcast, he talks about the four things that we need to happy to have happy lives. I'm going to paraphrase what he said. He said that we need faith, family, friendships and work. We need faith because only focusing on ourselves doesn't give us a bird's eye view on life's big question, which is why do I exist? Faith makes life transcendental, a metaphysical adventure. Life is more dissatisfying and boring without it. Because faith provides a community and a framework within which to view the world. It gives us a higher purpose. It gives us other people to do things with. It generally sends us on a trajectory that humans really seem to need. In fact, we should have a little ping for every time I pretend to be an anthropologist, but ping. <laughs> I was thinking about this whole like constant desire to acquire That Mm -hmm. is so wired into our brains and then can it can be a good thing and then it can easily become a bad thing. And I was thinking about how most of the major religions of the world, at least the ones that I know much about, are all about overcoming that instinct towards pleasure Mm -hmm. in order to build something good with other people, take care of other people, kind of maybe that's what transcendental uh, what it, or what transcendence really is is moving past that like animalistic instinct to be what is truly human, which is not enslaved mm. by the pursuit of pleasure, but actually looking beyond ourselves to do things that really matter, to take care of the people around us, that kind of thing. You can all.
0: It's mm. an interesting thought. Yeah, makes a lot you can of sense. Think to about
1: me. your religions. Um, and how they might apply but i was just like wow there's just so much here that is about that right like everything that i can or a lot of the tenets of faith around the world that i can think of all relate to having a purpose that is beyond yourself taking care of other people giving up or Mm. sacrificing some of your own desires in order to be a part of something greater
0: yeah yeah Yeah. it's beautiful good thought
1: all right you can ding again because now I'm done being an anthropologist. And I'll go back to what Arthur Brooks says. He also says that we need family to have happy lives. And these are the ties that bind that we don't choose. And maybe we wouldn't even if we were given the choice. These are the deep connections that we have because we have endured difficult things together. They push us out of our comfort zones, but they also create comfort for us. And I was thinking about how, you know, in some ways, our families, they may sometimes be our greatest source of irritation. And yet, who do we know would have our backs when we are really in need? That's so right? True. Like, these are relationships that have been tested, and they have been tried. And I was thinking about like families in tears, really, you know, like, maybe mm-hmm. you have the family members that you are really close to, uh, that you spend a lot of time being in relationship with, but you don't necessarily see eye to eye on everything just because you've had really similar experiences and that you know is a great opportunity for growth and for learning new things and then there's even another tier of family where you know i think of like oh i probably wouldn't have ever heard this idea at all if i wasn't related to this person right so they provide constant opportunities for growth and for again that self-sacrifice and being a part of something greater than yourself it's why um Kids who do chores are happier than kids who don't do chores <laughs> because they are a part of something bigger than themselves. There you go.
0: Well, Michelle, just kind of supporting what Arthur Brooks is saying here, when I answered on our outline, there is a question that I think is a wonderful one to ponder. Uh, but what in the last week has indicated that you have a good life? Um, yeah. The crumbs on my floor are an indicator because <laughs> that was mostly a joke, but it kind of is true. But yeah. It's because I have children to care for and feed and mm-hmm. today even I was awakened by my little baby, someone who depends on me. And that yes. is like the first thing I wrote, I mean after the crumbs. The first thing I wrote because it just gives me so much purpose and yes, it's so hard. It's so mm. hard. I mean, I'm I'm rounding the corner here. He's almost <laughs> 1. Can we believe it? Not really. But, and yeah, it's been a very okay. difficult year for me, honestly, as yeah. we've all heard again and again and again. But like, that's the first thing I write mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. That kind of love drives me to sacrifice and to serve, like you're saying, and mm. fills me with so much contentment and fulfillment yeah, and satisfaction. So, amen, Arthur. That's, that's my answer to that question.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny too, because family, family can be between family and friendship, right? Because- there are family members that we don't choose and then we get to have a few family members that we do choose but then only a few huh
0: there's yeah. only a few over there that you're <laughs>
1: just kidding well well like i'm just saying like i mean really the only person that you choose is your partner like you right. don't even choose right the children that you have you can't choose their personality you can't choose isn't that like, interesting right? <laughs> and so really you only get to choose one family member but then like you know that person is in it with you with everything and that's like a lot you know and uh it's quite it's quite a bond that you share that's so true. i'm yeah. just teasing you Hi. <laughs> there
0: are there are family members that i think what you're trying to say to initially was there are a few family members maybe that you didn't choose that you are
1: close to yeah no i feel like i'm friends with a lot of my family but i i think that it's just it's kind of funny when you're like oh yeah like we're all just you know in this situation together. Sometimes right. it all it makes me laugh how much like my siblings and I who grew up you know pretty much in the same situation but we can just have very different outlooks on life and you know I I find that fascinating because you know I like to pretend to be an anthropologist and I'm like how could this even happen? <laughs> it is interesting, um, right? But like to have gone through like the same thing together and to come out with like different perspectives on it is very interesting, but I think that that's part of that balance like being encouraged to see things from different points of view is part of yeah how we grow and ultimately how we find contentment and satisfaction in life by like i agree yeah i think that also Mm -hmm. yeah also the love that i feel
0: for my family members when they do say something that you know maybe i don't agree with gives me Mm -hmm. some space to consider it you know because Mm -hmm. i know where they came from i do love them and i want to hear them out yeah. Um, I know that that's not always the case, but I think in in my situation, yeah. oftentimes it is.
1: Yeah, hopefully that's something that can be cultivated, right? Like, obviously, you know, families can be a source of a lot of pain if mm-hmm. there is not mm-hmm. respect there as well, right? Like, you yeah. know, that's something that we have to work on cultivating is a level of um, love that is not abuse, Right? Because love would never be abuse. But, like, not abusing the trust that families have. Does that make sense? It takes work. Sense? Yes. It takes work. But like right? you are saying earlier. Yeah. It takes work. And that's why it's beautiful. Who do who do I think of who I would, like, drop everything for in order to take care of them? And who do I know would take care of me if I needed it? Like, it's my family. Mm-hmm. Right? No matter how much we disagree about X, Y, or Z. Yes. And
0: let's bridge that. And maybe there's not family members that you feel like would come for you or that you would go for because there's a strain. Let's bridge that to friendships. Hopefully we have our lovely support
1: group in our friends. So, yes. Yes. Arthur, please. Family is one thing. And then Arthur talks about friendships, which he says, you know, these are the relationships that we do choose and they can be incredibly intimate if we are vulnerable in them. Right. If we choose to make them intimate (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. they take a lot of work and they usually go back years and years meaningful friendships don't happen overnight right but they create a strong bond because we've been through a lot of life's ups and downs together some people say that like a good friendship takes 200 hours Mm. to get to which i was actually thinking of this jessica like you know i i know it's like a common complaint that a lot of people have how do you even make friendships when you're an adult when you're a kid it's easy to make a friendship Mm -hmm. because you just really are just there with people all the time right you're just sitting at the desk next to them you got to be friends with them and you learn to work out a lot of these things and then as adults as adulthood comes it becomes more difficult to have this time for each other but I was thinking you know I feel like you and I haven't known each other for years and years necessarily but we got our 200 hours in real quick (laughs) (laughs) because you know our husbands were both working we were juggling little kids and we juggled them side by side together and we just spent a lot of time just doing life together you know sometimes it was fun and special and a lot of times it was just regular and that is what built a strong bond that we know we can really like rely on and and Mm -hmm. has become like a safe space
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's so beautiful
1: and so true Yeah. So keep pressing into friendships. That's what Arthur would say.
0: (laughs) Yes. And is this a good time where we can remind like it's hard sometimes, like you're saying to prioritize, but it's so worth it to invest our time and energy and attention to these physical, you know, relationships with friends. Maybe they're not always physical, but
1: yeah, dedicating time. Yes. Dedicate time because that's the only way it gets better and being willing to be uncomfortable in them sometimes and like i mean i get it hanging out with new people mm-hmm. it can it can be uncomfortable you can worry that you said the wrong thing and you can put your foot in your mouth and you can be like oh gosh i don't know but yeah the only way you build friendships is by continuing to press in
0: yeah well when i moved here to the, to utah and i've talked about this wonderful group of friends that you know i was welcomed into i mean 16 girls I was I have not been in that situation since like dance team in high school and I felt so uncomfortable at the same I was so grateful and so uncomfortable but I kept showing up kept going to bunko, kept going to the pool or wherever the these wonderful people were just to try to keep investing and and um you know getting more things in common and creating more relationships and now I feel like I have all of them are so wonderful and i have even a few that like i really really connect with on like such a fulfilling deep level and
1: it only came because i kept trying right right yeah these things don't happen overnight (laughs) they really don't it's true sometimes they do i mean i think that sometimes you can have an instant connection with somebody i agree and those are really wonderful and those and hold on to those but also like knowing that they're not always going to feel like that and sometimes relationships just take take work but why are they worthwhile well it's worthwhile to have a community that you can depend on and that depends on you and that you can do life together yeah those are things that make life good yep arthur's final uh component of a good life he would say is work the components of work that bring the most value are the people that you're with Mm. and The sense of purpose that you create something of value and that you earn success the worldly rewards are not the most rewarding parts of work you know the money is not what truly rewards you at work sometimes the work we really care about is not the work that gives us money or puts food on the table right like we might have a job that we do to make ends meet and we might have a job that gives us purpose and meaning in life, and they might not be the same job. (laughs) Yeah, that is Um, so true. (laughs) Yes. What do all of these components have in common? A lot of that, it's about people, right? Mm -hmm. But the world is constantly pushing us into caring the most about things. It's constantly giving us extrinsic rewards for little things and little meaningless points that don't actually encourage like these intrinsic things that we value good community good good relationships those kinds of things so how do we like how do we even pursue things that are not so easy to pursue so how do we like how do we acknowledge that like these these are the things like these intrinsic things are going to be what makes our life really good how do we actually pursue them well, years ago, I used
0: to listen to Jody, Moore, Jody Moore's podcast, Better Than Happy, uh, very religiously, and there's one episode that flows to the top of my brain as I recall her and all of the work that she's done. Just one episode that really sticks out, and that is titled "The River of River of Misery." It resonated with me a lot because we're all more or less floating in this pond of misery in some ways in, in our lives. Like let's think of a goal. So we're all more or less waiting in this pond of misery. Some there's something maybe out there, maybe a a a friend group. Like we really, really want to create or be a part of a friend group because that sounds like a great community to have because it is. But like here we are in the the pond of misery, wishing that we had support and community and friendship that way. And we we see that over, say, on the land, okay? From the pond we can see the land. And the thing that's between us and the pond and the land, the friendships, the friend group that we desire is this river of misery. And we have to navigate through that to get to the land. And the river of misery is gonna get a little bit harder at first. You know, it's fast. There's a current. Maybe it's colder because it's not as deep and it's fast moving is that why is that why rivers are cold maybe not okay um <laughs> they're deep
1: There's a lot basically
0: of yeah, I guess maybe okay, anywho <laughs> I don't know the, much
1: about river science so
0: I, I don't think. either. I should have googled we could, but we won't um it's it's not that important. We have to kind of face some of these these uncomfortable things, calling friends. They might reject, some might accept that, that fear of the unknown there, or how am I going to host them? Where are we going to meet up? What if we don't like the same things? You know, all of these things might be a little bit uncomfortable to face. But as we keep facing, you know, keep plowing or keep swimming down that stream, eventually we will, you know, get to the, the land and maybe obtain that, that community that we desire. But it's not without going through the river of misery is how she calls it. And we'll link the podcast episode in the show notes because she does a much better job at explaining that. But I think it's a great analogy because especially when we're, when we're trying to adopt a new habit or um, do something that's that's foreign to our brains, like we don't want to. We don't want to engage. We don't want to push through it. We don't want to see the river through because it's it's new and it's, it's uncomfortable. So I think knowing that is beautiful because we can expect it. And that allows us to keep pushing through the barriers to obtain what we desire.
1: Yes, your river of misery idea reminds me of what Dr. Lemke said at the beginning that happiness comes from doing hard things on a regular basis. But this really was making me think about how it is easier to pull up Instagram than to have conversations with your spouse or to build Lego with your kids. It's easier to doom scroll through the news than to exercise and eat a balanced diet. It's easier to malign people with different ideas than you rather than be open to discussion and learning. It's easier to make impulse purchases than it is to care for the things you already have. It's easier to complain about problems in a relationship rather than to try and repair them. And it's easier to watch Netflix than to commit to a passion project. It's easier to do all of these things, but it's not better. Beautiful. It doesn't get us to the life that we really want. And when I was writing this list, like all of these things are like things I do sometimes, you know, I'm trying to work on them. But yeah, sometimes I pull the easy switch on some of these things when I have to practice doing the things that I know will bring me true joy and happiness and satisfaction and contentment with my life right and it's not going to be because i was like man i watched a lot of netflix that was a great life
0: right no my my question to you is simply how you do that in the moment when it's just like you're saying
1: easier easier i mean i think that some of these things have you know the I think that a lot of this comes from like doing the work of like setting parameters in your life, right? Like playing with my kids, like I want to, pre- I want to cultivate being able to sit there and play with them for a little bit. And I, I don't personally feel that it's my job to entertain them. But I want to build a relationship with them. I that's something that I care about. So that's a goal that I that's an intrinsic goal that I'm going to try and like work on how am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to start with Literally, I'm going to say – I'm going to set a 10-minute timer. I'm going to play Lego for 10 minutes. That's about as long as I That's can That's a long time. I'm giving you a Lego. standing applause. Because really, I just sit there we while he applause. asks me to find pieces for him. So – but like a very limited – like start with a very limited goal that I can that I can pursue, right? Um, you know, I wanted to cut back on my impulse purchasing, so I committed to a month of no online shopping you know, like, work through and, you know, I would say that earlier in my marriage, I mean, I guess like, like, this is a thing I could constantly be growing in. But I had to be committed to not just complaining about how things were, but like, really working through conversations that were difficult, and were about coming together and making a relationship that we both enjoyed and benefited from. Um, But like, that took some work, some trial, some error, some coming back and some trying it out. And not like we've got it like 100% figured out. Obviously, it's going to keep evolving over time. But I had to commit to we're going to have these difficult conversations, even though it would be more comfortable, at least for me to just like, I hate conflict. So I'm like, run away, don't have this conversation, (laughs) right? Um, I have to I have to commit to coming back and being like, okay, we will have the difficult conversation, even though I don't want to, right? Because I know that that will ultimately build the trust and camaraderie that we need in order to make our relationship good for a long time. So like just noticing these things and working on them a little bit at a time. Again, I'm probably yeah, not I'm not perfect at any of these things. And There are a lot of times that I watch Netflix because I'm tired. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I don't even think Netflix is terrible. I think there's some great stuff on Netflix. But what I want to be conscious of is not giving my life to Netflix and then at the end of my life being like, man, I missed out on so much. On the other hand, I do think that, like, I could go crazy the other way and, you know, be so constantly in the pursuit of things that I don't stop and enjoy simple pleasures like it could be netflix so i think again it's all about the balance right yep absolutely (laughs) okay so you talk about the (laughs) river of misery it sounds so fun let's all go there um through the river of misery (laughs) (laughs) right but yeah what are you doing to you know sort of use your brain to its highest capacity right like getting past some of our hijacked natural reward systems in order to create a life that truly matters to you
0: one of my greatest strengths and my greatest weaknesses isn't it funny how usually they're tied Mm -hmm. see our dark sides episode is my perspective i i operate a lot of times thinking in the future Mm
1: -hmm. like
0: how is this going to how is this decision going to affect me in 15 years like i really do operate there probably a little bit too much but It does help me kind of make decisions right now that will serve me in the future. I'm not perfect at it. We should probably not even say that. That goes without saying on this podcast, but that serves me. And if I can kind of harness that um, and help it be a productive thing, then like we've been saying, when I am outside of those uh, triggering moments, I can establish boundaries. But specifically... I think that it's really, really important for us to establish our core values, if we haven't already, because those guiding north stars can help us make decisions in those moments because we have something to fall back on, to navigate with. Specifically right now in my life, I'm going to be pretty honest here and say that I just had my 10-year wedding anniversary, and it's such a wonderful milestone like a whole decade of being married it's pretty phenomenal I'm pretty proud and we've also gone through a lot in our marriage starting with the loss of our baby like right off the bat and Mm -hmm. I'm really really proud of us for navigating through that really well and we also went to we had our children very young we got married really young to begin with had our children really young and most recently went to chiropractic school And during that season, I was at home on purpose. I just, that's where I felt like I wanted to be at that time is home with our children while my husband was in school for so many hours every single day and on Saturdays involved with our church on Sundays. And I felt very lonely. And after a year or two of that, I became a little bit resentful. And he's also very, very much stressed with his workload at school and trying to pass all of his tests, of course. And I think there we kind of started to do some version of a dance, if you will, that was maybe not as productive as it could be because of those stresses and my loneliness and resentment, honestly. And while I really believe we have a great marriage, I know that it could be better and This last year, I've tried really, really hard to kind of evaluate my part of the dance and kind of see how I can rewire some of my rewire my brain in some of these ways and be a better partner. And, you know, what's hard about it is I am a human with serious weaknesses. And it's like we were saying earlier in these familial or marital relationships, we have that chance to see the raw the real the not so pretty and the difficult sides of each other and it's hard for me to applying this to the river of misery go down this this path of rewiring and falling short again and again and again not to be too specific but like in our relationship the dynamic that i that i am is the uh, quote-unquote aggressor and i'm trying really hard to to retrain myself to just be a little bit more calm and loving and nurturing when we have different points of views or um, different ways of doing things. And it's hard for me to be patient with myself as I rewire. It's hard for me to be patient with my husband sometimes uh, when he does things that maybe I'm like, I don't know, trying to think of a really tame example. Like, why do you put your hat on the counter? That's disgusting. (laughs) You know, like to to trust each other when we have this choreographed dance, to, to, to do it a different way, it, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of faith and it takes a lot of consistency and forgiveness and all of those things together, you know, really do over time, I can tell you, adds so much depth and respect and forgiveness and love essentially like a new kind of love than it was 10 years ago when it was pretty easy (laughs) to be married you know when you have no kids you're in school so it's pretty cut and dry like it's different now and it's also beautiful and especially when I really really focus on changing and growing up
1: yeah as you're talking that reminds me of a conversation I recently had with my husband where I guess I said something that was picking at something. I can't even remember what. And he was kind of just like, I'm a person too. Like I'm a human being and I'm just struggling just as much as you are. And it was kind of like, a, yeah, you're right. Like, <clears throat> I think it's easy. It's not, it's just, it's natural to really want to improve things all the time. I mean, hey, we have a self-improvement podcast. Obviously, we're interested in improvement. It's important to us. (laughs) Yeah. And it has a really good, important role in our lives. If we don't want to improve things, we don't get up off the couch and do things that matter with our lives. And we don't eat food. You know, like, obviously, it, it comes from a good place. But, you know, we can try to be, like, just picking at things all the time. And sometimes, like, those wounds are deep, right like and it's you know sometimes it's a silly thing that we're picking at sometimes it's like hey we've developed patterns over years that are difficult to overcome i had a similar experience in our marriage where during just a similar time when everybody was really busy and i was at home taking the slack it feels like yeah so much resentment built up and it takes some yeah real effort to rewire our brains that way right and to have love and compassion for each other and it is worth doing but it's hard work and uh building happy memories together and doing things that you enjoy together you know is part of that but yeah it doesn't it didn't happen overnight that like things got hard and it's not going to happen overnight to make things better but in the meantime you know, we're all humans struggling. Like none of us can be instantly perfect at either side of this. Right. Right. You can't expect yourself to be perfect at this and you can't expect him to be perfect either. Right. Which is where the vision
0: really comes into play. Right. Because
1: like when
0: I envision my life, 10, 15, 20 years, 50 years from now, like I envision it with him and I envision it with, you know, I, I hope that I, I would consistently be evaluating and working, falling, but also getting back up to build, like you're saying, like a beautiful, a beautiful marriage. But yes, vision and core values, they really come into play in these moments where we got to get through that river. And that's what kind of guides us, right? Right.
1: Yep. Consistently doing hard things.
0: I love that so, so much.
1: I'm putting that on the sticky
0: note just so you know.
1: I knew you would. You would <laughs> love hard things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is true. But
0: yeah. got to put it in its proper place too, which I really appreciate that part of our conversation because yeah, all of these good things can be taken to extremes and it's just yeah. important to constantly be looking at the balance. Where are we at?
1: Right. How can would we reevaluate? We've said in other ways, but this is why I think that We all belong in community because community helps us see the balance of these things. Any one of us left to our own devices, it's not good, right? But we need to bump up against other people who have different ways of looking at things and to help soften those edges of ourselves that would pursue any goal, you know, or any, you know, any pursuit, I guess, pursue any pursuit to (laughs) our own detriment, right? We need to, like part of what makes humans humans is that they have to work together really to, uh, to live good lives, to accomplish good things. Like we need each other and we need to be constantly reevaluating. Like, yeah, I need to be constantly reminded that I don't know everything and I don't actually have the secret sauce to making everything perfect. Uh, I need to be learning from other people. I need to be trying new things. And yeah, the minute I think that I've got it all figured out, I am usually quickly reminded that I don't. So
0: (laughs) it kind of works that way, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. My grandma always
0: says, enjoy it while it lasts. (laughs) When I tell her something's going well and it is just simply the truth. It doesn't stay all roses and butterflies for very long, which is maybe that sounds a little bit daunting and sad, but also we can kind of just embrace it too, right? It's just part of life. And there's beautiful, beautiful aspects of all seasons. And even the really, really hard times can provide a lot of beauty. Maybe that's through growth and stretching and Yeah. Other yeah. people supporting or what what whatnot. But
1: Yeah, really. And really our expecting things to be one hundred percent happy all the time is just like completely false. That has never been the story of humanity, and but it's that expectation that is causing us our greatest pain. Doctor Lemke talks a lot about that. That like it's only because we think we should be constantly happy that we are so unhappy. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if we realized we're really supposed to be in this more medium level, and we were okay with that, we were okay with things being hard. Uh, that's where like true goodness comes from. It's really our expectations that everything should be. Happy and wonderful—that is causing us our deepest pain. Mm. That's really really good. I like yeah. this,
0: Anna. I Woman. know
1: she's she's got good stuff to say. <laughs> Lots of good but, nuggets. Yeah, and but you know, I would also say like I don't in any way expect life to be completely miserable. I'm on the lookout all the time for the things that are good and wonderful. I just think that they're more normal <laughs> than mm. than we That's give them credit point, for Michelle. being. That's a good yeah. point. Let's
0: cultivate that. And that's kind yeah. of what we've been saying all along. Like let's all cultivate right. that those things and put our effort and our our time into those things that will give us the most fulfillment and satisfaction. And a lot of times that's like you're saying looking for the good and working on our relationships whether they're difficult or in a good spot like constantly putting in the work.
1: Yep. All right. So I'll just say a quick thing. You, you know, are talking about your way of looking through, like, okay, we're just going to have to do these hard things in order to have the things that really matter. And I agree with that. One of the one of the things that I've thought about in this past week, as we've been jumbling all of this information is reframing bucket lists. To me, I'm, I'm a person who loves bucket lists. And what's on my bucket list? Everything. I I (laughs) give us three things. I just want to do everything on earth. That's that's simple. It's a simple goal. But sometimes my desire for for like a bucket list item. I mean, I think that like, I understand why bucket lists are so intriguing to our generation. Jessica, do you have a bucket Mm -hmm. list? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Ever since I I can remember yeah we are at peak gamification as a generation we are all about lists and checking them off and I I like love having a bucket list and I love checking things off of it but I've tried to think of this in a different way over the past little bit like not what do I want to do or where do I want to go but who do I want to be and how will I be that person and for me I'm a social person so one of the best indicators to me of who do i want to be is actually to ask myself what are the best compliments i feel like i've ever received and the reason i like thinking about it that way is because when those when like a compliment really means something to me it means that i feel that i was perceived the way that i want to be perceived if that oh, makes sense interesting, right yeah. mm-hmm. because a lot of my goals are like social yeah, so if I can come across in a certain way to somebody, to me that means like that's a good thing to me. <laughs> I guess is what I'm trying to say. It means that I am appearing in the world the way that I want to appear and not in like a self object- objectification yeah, course, or a one-dimensional way, but like for instance, if my goal is to be kind and nobody else thinks that I'm kind, like I'm missing that, right? So like if if my goal let's say, is to be kind. And somebody says, wow, what you did was really kind or whatever. I'd be like, sweet, like, good. That's that's obviously how I intended it. And I'm glad that it was perceived that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not that I just need other people to validate me constantly, but like I do care about other people's opinions. Well, it's a way to check yourself. Yeah, which right? we all do, right? I mean, yeah. that's why we all bought new jeans. <sighs> and, the, and we all bought new jeans because... Like in-grouping and out-grouping and social status uh, signaling to each other is like a huge part of being human. And we can't not be that. And we would be lonely and sad if we just decided we never cared anything about what other people think about us. But if we care too much, then that's also detrimental. So it's like really, again, about balancing. (laughs) You can still wear
0: skinny jeans. You still
1: can. We support you if you're wearing skinny jeans out there. Wear them. I wore skinny jeans today. I'll just admit yep. it. Oh, you I know wore what? Last week. As a little aside, uh somebody asked, "Do you think our culture is youth obsessed?"
0: And yes. I was like,
1: "Well, absolutely. And why did we feel insecure about skinny jeans? Because Gen Z told us they weren't cool. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we want there's to be the young evidence. and hip." Yep. So, yes, we are youth obsessed. I mean, there's a whole reason for that. There's like biological imperatives to like all of this in my anthropological little mind. Why do we all have want long eyelashes and big doe eyes? Because that's what babies have. <laughs> no. Have you ever Okay, so like a- animated characters are getting bigger and bigger and bigger eyes because big eyes when your eyes cuz did you know that your eyeballs are the same size from the moment of birth throughout your whole life, but your head is obviously really small, right, when you're born? Mm-hmm. So like the eyes of a baby take up much more of their face than an adult's eyes, and this ratio encourages people to love and take care of you because you look like a baby. So this or is a why puppy dog, with the yeah, eye, puppy dog eyes. But this is why, I like, makeup is always about like making your eyes look bigger because it encourages this like love and care, take care of me, and please. you look young, you look young and youthful, which is also. You know, means you're fertile. Anyways, okay. So that's a side. <laughs> but no, look this up sometime. Maybe I'll link it in the show notes. A lineup of the Disney princesses from when they were first animated to now, their eyeballs just get bigger and bigger until with Anna and Elsa, they're literally half of their heads. Yeah, I was just and thinking about Anna and Elsa. Yeah, yeah. But like, we have very much a youth obsessed culture, and we just get more and more obsessed with things looking younger and younger and younger. Anyways. Put that in a bucket over there. (laughs) Yes. But it's really creepy when you see them all lined up because they looked more normal in the beginning and now they look frightening. Yes. Okay. We're just desperate. We're just so desperate. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) On that note. So, okay. So I thought of who I want to be as part of this exercise, but we are now going to end this episode. And instead of telling us three things about ourselves, because you, you know, you get to hear that all the time. We would like to encourage you to uh, do this little exercise with us this next week. Okay. Are you ready, Jessica? Yep. Let's hear it. do the exercise. Okay. This also comes from Arthur Brooks. Obviously, I'm a big fan. Okay. So he encourages you, us, all of us. We're all going to do this exercise. Imagine yourself happy in five years. So if you're 30 now, what will happiness and goodness look like when you're 35? Write down five components of that happiness. What would really make your life good? We're not thinking bucket list items. We're not thinking skydiving, but truly good things. List these five components in order from most to least important. Likely, you will think of intrinsic things as like numbers one and two. These intrinsic values that you have, good community, good relationships, uh, peace, being at peace, being healthy, those kinds of things. And then further down the list are going to maybe be more extrinsic things, quantifiable things, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Now, write down what you are going to do to manage numbers one and two. How are you going to pursue these things? So... Yes. What will you be doing to make numbers one and two happen because they will not cultivate themselves but in five years you will be happy that you cultivated them. Mm. What about three and four and five? Well I mean you can do all of them but like you know if, if it's like an extrinsic thing that tells you more how, how you're gonna I mean you can work on all of them but what he's saying is really focus right now. On
0: the one and two. On
1: one and two. What are you gonna do to pursue one and two? Okay, I see. Because that's in line with what we've been saying. (laughs) Yes. Beautiful. And I love this exercise.
0: I I love that we're inviting each of you listeners to take this time. Take a little, carve a little space out to um, really do this exercise. Because I think this is like such a valuable place to spend our effort. Something that's going to guide us and push us sometimes and restrain us other times. And because like you're saying... We don't stumble into this vision that we have of ourselves. Like it it takes a lot of a lot of effort and work and it's worth it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And if you're like me, you actually think this is fun. It's fun to dream about a future you're excited for. And it's fun to plan how you're going to get there and think about how you're going to get there and then do things with. With intention. And when you have that intention and you're armored with that intention, it's easier to not be distracted by the little things that can pull our attention away, but that we know ultimately don't make us happy. Beautiful. All right. So go okay. forth. Go are Five forth. things. Tell us how old you'll be in five years. We'd love to hear. Yes. Yes, sir. Okay. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye.